Chapter Two of Hope and Have Fanny Grant Among the Indians by Oliver Optic. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Two Thou Shalt Not Steal. Fanny, as we shall call her when she is not in the company of her namesake, reveled in the possession of the key and congratulated herself on her own shrewdness in obtaining it she applied it to one of the drawers of the desk though her devoted young mistress had been faithful to the last degree in her efforts to instill good principles in the mind of her pupil fanny appeared to have no scruples of conscience she did not hesitate did not pause to consider the wickedness of her acts the drawer was unlocked and opened with an eager rather than a trembling hand she seemed to fear nothing and to be intent only on obtaining possession of some coveted treasure as she pulled out the drawer she was startled by a very unexpected incident a great black cat suddenly released from imprisonment sprang out of the drawer and terrified by the appearance of the naughty girl ran around the room several times and then disappeared through an open window the cat was a stranger to her it was not a woodville cat and though fanny was not frightened the presence of the animal in the drawer was suggestive i am not so sharp as i thought i was said she to herself quite soberly the housekeeper must have seen me when i was looking for that key but she needn't think i am afraid of a cat fanny sneered at the thought and after glancing at the window through which the cat had made her escape she turned to the drawer again but it was empty or it contained only a great card such as those used in the sunday school on which was printed in large black letters thou shalt not steal this card which must have been placed there for her especial benefit by some member of the family rendered it certain that her intentions were suspected if not known that's a gentle hint not to take anything from that drawer said fanny to herself there is nothing there and of course i must take the hint but they can't cheat me there is money somewhere in this desk and i must have it perhaps under ordinary circumstances she would have been moved by the expedient which had been used to deter her from stealing the commandment of god staring her in the face at the very moment when she expected to place her hand upon the forbidden treasure might have reached her conscience if she had not been engaged in a deeply laid plan for reveling in stolen joys as it was she was only disappointed at not finding the money which the drawer had been supposed to contain fanny jane called mrs green the housekeeper from the entry it was not prudent to be seen in the library and hastily closing the drawer and restoring the key to the nail under the desk she stepped out at one of the long windows upon the piazza fanny jane repeated the housekeeper here i am said the guilty girl entering the front door 
"'It is time for you to get ready for school,' added Mrs. Green. "'I'm not going to school today.' "'Not going to school? Why not, miss?' "'Because I don't want to go.' "'I think you are going,' said the housekeeper firmly. "'And I think I am not going.' "'Very well. Then I will send for Mr. Long,' added Mrs. Green, with a coolness and decision which were not without their effect upon the stubborn girl. Mr. Long was a constable, and outside of his official duties he was often employed in various miscellaneous offices by Mr. Grant. He lived in a small cottage adjoining the Woodville estate. This man was a great bugbear to Fanny, who had a very proper and wholesome regard for the strong arm of the law. "'I don't care for Mr. Long,' said Fanny, shaking her shoulders in defiance. But this was only a vain boast." Mrs. Green rang a bell for the man-servant who was employed in the house. This was more than the naughty girl could endure, for she knew that Mrs. Green would do all she promised. "'You needn't send for Mr. Long,' interposed Fanny doggedly. "'I'll go to school.' "'I thought you would, but you may do as you please.' "'I'll go, but I want fifteen cents to buy a new copy-book.' As Mrs. Green knew that Fanny needed a new copy-book, she did not object to this request, and went into the library to procure the money. Instead of going upstairs to prepare herself for school, as the housekeeper had told her to do, Fanny went out upon the piazza again, and looking through the window, she saw Mrs. Green open a closet in the library, and, from a drawer there, take out the money she had asked for. The housekeeper locked the drawer and the closet door, placing the key of the latter in a vase on the mantelpiece, and the key of the drawer under one of the row of volumes on a bookshelf. All these precautions had been rendered necessary by the presence of the dishonest girl in the house. Fanny, having carefully observed where the keys were placed, ran upstairs and presently appeared, dressed for school. Mrs. Green gave her the money for which she had asked, and having satisfied herself that the refractory girl had actually departed for school, she went upstairs to attend to her usual duties. Fanny went as far as the road, and then, instead of turning to the left, she went to the right, and keeping in the shadow of the trees, reached the rear of the mansion. From this point she crept round to the piazza, from which she passed into the library. "'She can't cheat me,' said Fanny again, congratulating herself upon her own cunning. "'She'll find before night that I'm too much for her.' The wicked girl then went to the vase, and, taking from it the key, opened the closet. From the place where she had stood, she could not determine exactly under which book the key of the drawer had been placed but after raising half a dozen of them, she found the object of her search. The drawer was opened, and on the top of several bundles of papers lay a pocket-book. Her eyes snapped with unwonted fire as she discovered the prize. She opened it, and found a great roll of bills. In one of the pockets there was a mass of currency. There was no great staring placard with, thou shalt not steal, printed upon it. 
but the words seemed to be spoken from her own breast, seemed to be thundering in her soul. But Fanny was excited by the prospect of the stolen joys, in which she had been reveling in anticipation for a fortnight, and she heeded not the voice from her breast, and silenced the thunder-tones that rolled through her soul. "'Shall I take it all?' whispered she, as she gazed on the great pile of greenbacks and currency. "'I may as well be hung for an old sheep as a lamb,' she added, as she gathered up the money, and thrust it into her pocket. A noise in the entry startled her. She closed the drawer, locked it, and restored the key to the place where she had found it. The closet door was secured in like manner, and the key returned to the vase. Passing out of the library as she had entered, she made her way back to the road, and walked towards the schoolhouse. Before she reached it, however, she turned down a lane leading to the river. It was a lonely avenue, completely shaded by trees, which concealed her from the view of the people in the adjoining houses. Increasing her pace to a bounding run, she soon reached the Hudson. Seated on a stone near the river was a girl of fourteen, who had evidently been waiting for Fanny. In her hand she held a couple of books, which indicated that she also had been sent to school. "'Where have you been? Why didn't you come before?' asked the girl as she rose at Fanny's approach. "'I couldn't come before,' replied Fanny. "'Why not?' demanded the other, whose name was Kate Magner. "'No matter why not,' answered Fanny, rather testily, for she was not yet quite willing to confess what she had done in the library of the mansion-house. "'Haven't the folks gone away?' "'Yes. They all went off in the morning train. Where's Tom?' "'I don't know.' "'But we want him. We can't get along without him.' "'He said he would come.' but he is late. So are you. I couldn't help it. I suppose he can't either. But what are we going to do, Fan? asked Kate, who did not seem to be satisfied with the present prospect of the enterprise, whatever it was. We are going to have a good time. You said that before, but I want to know what we are going to do. You asked me to meet you here at half-past eight. You come at nine and I don't see that anything is to be done. I shall catch it for playing truant from school, and all for nothing. You shall have the best time you have had in your life. I don't know about that. Why don't you tell me what you mean to do? I am almost afraid to tell you, Kate. Afraid of what? I'm afraid you won't dare to go with me. Did you ever do anything I was afraid to do? said Kate with a sneer. But this is a greater thing than we ever did before. We may be gone a long time, and we are certain to be found out. What do you mean? demanded Kate, apparently appalled by this frank statement of the difficulties of the enterprise. I thought it would scare you, laughed Fanny. But it don't scare me. Yes, it does. I will do anything that you dare to do, replied Kate stung by the flings of her companion. You shall have the greatest time that ever was, but you must take the consequences after it is all over. If you can, I can. Come with me, then, 
continued Fanny, as she moved along the bank of the river towards the Woodville Landing Pier. I won't go a step till I know what you are going to do. I'm afraid you will back out. No, I won't. I solemnly promise you that I will go with you anywhere you please. I have got some money, added Fanny, in a very mysterious manner. How much? Two dollars. Paw, that ain't much, sneered Kate. Well, I've got five dollars. Have you? Yes. Where did you get it? I found it. Where? On the floor. Kate probably had her doubts in regard to the finding of the money, but she did not ask any troublesome questions, and repressed whatever of righteous indignation might have risen in her soul. What are you going to do with it? she asked. We will have a good time with it. But where are you going? Fanny glanced at her companion, and hesitated to reveal the brilliant project, fearful that it might be disapproved. We will go over to Whitestone, or down to Pinville, and buy something. But where is Tom? We must have him. What do you want of him? asked Kate, rather petulantly. We must go over in a boat, and we want him to manage it for us. Perhaps he will come. He promised to do so. We will go up to the landing place. Perhaps he is up there. The two girls walked up to the Woodville Pier, but Tom Magner was not there. He seemed to have no relish for the society of the interesting young ladies engaged in a brilliant enterprise, and if he had made any appointment to meet them, he neglected to keep it. Fanny was very much disappointed at his non-appearance, much more so than the young gentleman's sister, who— not knowing the extent of the enterprise, was in blissful ignorance of its perils and difficulties. Tom Magner was an almost indispensable part of the plan, but the young knight did not come, and the project must be abandoned or carried out without him. "'I am afraid he won't come,' said Fanny, after impatiently waiting for half an hour. "'I know he won't now. I don't believe he intended to come at all,' replied Kate." He is a mean fellow, then. We can get along without him. We shall have more money to spend ourselves. But how shall we get over to Whitestone? We can go up the river and take the ferry. Yes, and the first person we meet may be your father, or some of the Woodville folks. No, Kate, we must not be seen. If we are, all our fun will be spoiled. For my part, I don't want Tom or any other boy with us. I think boys are hateful. So do I, but I only want him to manage the boat. Don't you think you could go up and find Tom? I don't think I could, said Kate indignantly. Where is he? At school, I suppose. Couldn't you tell the teacher that your father wants him? suggested Fanny. No, I could not. I should be caught myself. I believe you want to get me into trouble. I'm sure I don't, Kate, for that would get me into trouble. What shall we do? We will go up to the ferry. We can see who is in the boat before we go on board. I won't do that if we don't go at all. And so the brilliant scheme seemed to be defeated for the want of a boatman. 
but fanny was too bold and enterprising in mischief to give up without a struggle end of chapter two recording by scarlet louisiana